Welcome to the Hit Factor Podcast. We have Sasquatch, Jeff, and I don't know if we call him a special guest, but we have a guest, uh, Mr. Cody Axon. Where do you, wait, what town are you from? I'm pretty much, I'm not born here, but I'm, I've lived in Omaha, Nebraska pretty much my entire life, so. So are you a Cornhusker? Uh, so my mom, I mean, that really depends on how you define that. My mom uh, graduated and worked at Iowa State. So I was born and raised an Iowa State fan, which has been really unfortunate until the last like two years. Yeah, that's right. And now, and now I'm rubbing in the faces of all my friends who are Husker fans, like when we were in high school, and and uh, they would beat Iowa State all the time. Um, now their team is terrible, and my team is good, so it's it's nice. Yeah, but I mean, as Iowa State, they're not actually like they're like good. They're not like good, good. They're just like not terrible. Dude, they they won the Fiesta Bowl. They almost won the Big Twelve this year. What are you talking about? Like, Dude, they were they were like okay. three. They were like okay. They were like. There was a, a scenario at the end of the year where they could have ended up in the playoff with one more win and a couple other teams losing, or two more wins there for sure in the playoffs. It was no, it there was, wasn't. It was close. They there, were not. There was no chance Iowa State was going to be in the playoffs. That was not going to happen. You have no idea. You you are high off your ass, Jeremy Reed. There is. They no were way better. <laughs> they were better than any other high school team in Iowa last year. That's I mean, probably that, true. That's for sure true. They were probably they're better than any high school team in Iowa. And that might be a first for them in the last 20 years. Oh, no, there were some years back there where like the all the all state uh senior bowl for high school uh, I would have been nervous for that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we got Cody from Omaha and uh Sasquatch, you're going to tell us about uh, Oh wait, 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 no, we got to talk about uh belts. Cody got a new belt. Now is this because you've been hitting the CrossFit harder and your other one was too big, too small? Uh, no, I really the opposite because I've gained weight and so uh, is this so wait, I gotta, this is sympathy weight? Hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, sure. I'll blame my wife for it. Uh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> no, I've been I've I've actually so I got I bought an exercise bike. I've been working out a ton, uh, and I'm like probably health wise in the best shape of my life. But it's the whole eating thing is still the most important part when it comes to like gaining or losing weight. And so I'm like working out a ton and like my lungs are in really good shape. Like I'm, I'm stronger on a lot of stuff. Uh, but I've like su- subtly just kind of added like five, 10 pounds. Um, those donuts, man. They're tough. Yeah. The donuts make me go nuts. Right. That's um, right. <laughs> so, so it is slightly bigger. Um, but that was also because the one that I had was kind of too small, too small to begin with. So, so yeah. Do you want me to talk about, do you want me to talk about the belt thing? Yeah. Let's hear about the belt. Well, so okay. the question was, is, does everybody buy a new belt? uh like every year how often you buy new belts yeah i mean so what prompted this is i uh earlier today was i spent probably an hour so i bought a new belt new mag pouches and a new holster and holster hanger uh basically more or less identical to what i was already using but my belt if i think i bought it i bought that belt when i switched to limited so that was in whatever 2017 2016 it was in 2016. Uh, so I've, I've had that belt for longer than I've known my wife. Uh, and the, the Velcro was, was wearing down and I was just, it was just time to replace it. And the mag pouches, I use the CR speed mag pouches. So they kind of rotate a little bit, um, over time and that wears them down. So I'm like, I'll just replace all those. And while I'm at it, I'll just get a new holster. Cause I tend to eat through holster bodies, um, because I, I crack them from being a little too aggressive with them. Um, so yeah, I just got a full new belt set up and, uh, <laughs> It, it turns out, I don't know if it's the, the run or what, but the, the current CR speed pouches and the current double alpha belts, 
they are not liking each other very much. So I'm, I'm over here like shoving things into the CR speed pouches, trying to expand the part that goes to the belt. And, uh, and I'm still, I, I've gotten one pouch on and I, I partially cracked another pouch trying to expand it and uh, it's, it's not going very well, but jeez. so no, how often do I, do I buy a new belt? I guess once every four years. Wow. That's, I, I definitely can't go that long. So have you thought about just taking a Dremel tool and kind of routing out that Mac pouch a little bit? So it'll go on yeah, the belt. It's, it's, it's the next step. I, I tried using a, a file cause then I could get a nice clean straight line, but the file, <laughs> the file that I have isn't, uh, it's not aggressive enough. It's not taking the plastic off as much as I'd like. So yeah, the a Dremel's next. I also used a, uh, I used just like a traditional, uh, wrench, you know, like a, like a single size one where it's got kind of that curved end on the tip and was shoving that in there. And I was using that to kind of open the mouth of the, the pouch up a little bit. That was working. Um, but it's, it's a whole process. I thought it was going to be like, I'll, I'll spend 10 minutes putting this together and then I'll dry fire and then I'll do other stuff. And like an hour later I had one <laughs> pouch and, and the holster attached to it. And uh, so that's still an ongoing project. The problem is you cross-contaminated. You're supposed to keep CR speed belts with CR speed pouches and double off of belts with double off of pouches. Yeah, I mean, that's probably what CR speed would want you to do is to buy their belt. But the the double alpha belt is really nice. And uh, I have no financial affiliation with any of these companies. So I can buy whatever I want. (laughs) And... uh, I like the double alpha belt and I like the CR speed pouches and previously they have worked together, but you know, right now it's, yeah. I'm having issues. You could try uh, heating it up a little bit with like a hair blow dryer or something. That's, I mean, these are all good ideas. The, these are, <laughs> these are steps coming down the road. It's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to force these, these, this round peg into a square hole. It's just, uh, it's just a matter of, of how and how long it's going to take me. Thanks. Why don't you take your old, because the, the mag, pouch body and the deal that slides onto the belt are separate pieces correct on the cr speeds yeah the yeah the belt attachment is separate from the where the mag goes correct so why don't you take your old belt attachments and put the new mag body on those because i want to keep my old belt assembled for like a backup second belt and also also part of the issue with the old mag pouches is like I, like I was telling you guys before we started recording, the anti-rotation on the CR speed is a metal, like a metal teeth on plastic. Yeah. And so over time, as I slam my hand into into a magazine in the mag pouch, it rotates them, and you can you can keep tightening it down, tighten it down, but eventually, like there's nothing left for it to to tighten into. Um, so that's part of why I'm switching anyway, is because the uh, the part where it attaches to, so the, the belt attachment is already kind of worn down. So, so the clue for the listeners is. Don't be like Cody, go bullets out and use double alpha pouches with a double alpha belt, and then you're baller. You don't have to be like him messing do, with this. You do double alpha bullets out? Yeah. What people really, really need to consider yeah. is do they want to be more like Jeremy or like Cody? That's man, you're putting that's a pretty rough decision if those are the yeah. only two <clears> decisions <throat> they the only two that they have to choose from. That's rough. What do they call it? A, a Sophie's choice, I think. Yeah, something know. like that. I don't know who Sophie is, but I think that's right. But she has two bad choices. I know that. Yeah. So, Jeff, have you replaced your belt in your like entire shooting career? No. No. I I bought a belt, and I used it for single stack, and then I bought another belt, and I use it for production. Well, have you been in the sport for four years yet? I started in... When did I start? 16 or 17. 
so yeah, I mean this this year by by my logic, I think you're 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 coming deal. Yeah, but my production belt is basically new because yeah, I'm just and starting he's done with, with single stack. So, but yeah. Jeff's also got <coughs> a uh, sorry guys the <coughs> the last podcast my voice Jeremy was has basically dying. And it's we're only a, only recording this like two days after that, and my voice is still gone. So if I sound like I'm weeping and crying, I actually am sad. Yes, but it's we, just we deal should, with it. We should put a poll up whether people think you have COVID or your wife is poisoning you. Ooh, maybe she's poisoning him with COVID. I mean, she Ooh. is a she is a nurse practitioner. She could probably do that. She has like a COVID wing in her facility, so she could probably. Yeah. The real question is, have any new life insurance policies showed up at the house in the last couple of weeks? No, that's the problem. I don't, I'm not worth much. So <laughs> not, the, not that you're aware of at least. Yeah. Not that. Well, that's true. Just would be nice not to have you around. Yeah. That is <laughs> exactly. Fact. It would just, yeah, it would, there would be no financial gain for it. It would just be a matter of convenience for her. Yeah. It's not about what she gets. It's about what she's getting rid of. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's more of a addition through subtraction. Exactly. Type scenario. So, but Jeff has a, Jeff's got an interesting belt because he's got like a little ratchet doodah on the front of his belt. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. you're not so, relying on the Velcro so much. Yeah. So how I ended up doing that was when I saw somebody do it and I was like, hey, that's cool. I'd kind of like to try that. And then I bought a belt and it was pretty much too small. Like it only overlapped like three inches or something. So I was like, all right, well, this is a good opportunity. I'll just cut it cut it to length and put a buckle on it. So, so yeah, I don't really need the Velcro. So no need to replace the belt, I guess. Probably will have to replace pouches, but my pouches are pretty much new this year. So, cause I switched divisions. So I don't, I've never like replaced a belt, but you Jared. I have typically gotten a new belt pretty much every year. Why? A Velcro wears down on it, or I switch divisions, so I just set up an entire new belt. How many belts do you have? Uh, now I only have like two. I get rid of the do, old ones. Do you get new? Uh, you get new pouches and stuff, or you literally just get the belt and then put no, your no. Old, old stuff. I get new pouches about every year because I'm still have not found a pouch that I'm completely happy with. Yeah, I either they're either they're too weak and they break too easy, or they're too close to the body or I don't like how they hold the mag or, or how they release the mag or their, or something. Yeah. I've once been, they start, once they start making mag pouches out of aerospace metal, then, uh, then they should have some that won't break for you. But until then you're <laughs> going to be, be running through one a year. Hey, I have not broke my new mag patches yet. I got the new double alpha, uh, like the new polymer ones, the XIs or something like that. And I have not broken one yet, but I also haven't really used them. Those look cool. I'd like to try those. It's like the updated version of the the racers, right? Mm-hmm. I think they fixed the biggest problem I had with the racers. The racers would eventually like wear down where they would constantly rock. And it didn't really yeah. matter much, but I just found it annoying that the mag would move around. That's why I moved away from those. Yeah. But so, so far, how, the, how did they fix it? Uh, it, it basically it bolts to a metal ball joint now. Ooh. Seems Ooh. to be good. Haven't broke one yet. I'll let you know halfway through the season if they're durable or not. Right. Yeah, I haven't broke one yet, and we like haven't really started yet. So, exactly. Let's see how that goes. 
I melted my uh my double alpha racer pouches. I melted them and epoxied them together, so like they don't rock much. They're just the, breaking is their only option, which they'll eventually do. Yeah, like you just like you did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah like took a piece of steel, like heated up red hot, and psh, melted it in place. Because like they're a, they're adjustable, right? But once you know where you want them, you don't really need them to be adjustable anymore. You just need them to be rigid. So then, because that's what wears out for me. Like, is the adjustability mm-hmm. is kind of it's like a disc with little teeth, uh, and those teeth just end up where they end up where they'll just move. And yeah. so you can keep tightening them, but it's just it's it's annoying. So I put epoxy in between them, put that disc in, tighten it down as tight as I can, and then melt the plastic to each other like basically weld the plastic to itself all the way around yeah. it and the way like bullets out is is tougher on that, that true piece. it is yeah you, you definitely torque the mag pouch more with bullets out yeah no no doubt about that because you're going so much faster than with bullets forward i was thinking because it's like so much more inefficient that you just mm. like you know break stuff more often it's a speed thing i just right. assu- I just assume that I break mag pouches because my little dainty hands are going so fast when they hit them. That's right. probably you it. You can't tell the difference between a mag pouch and a mag, so you just just grab. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever pulled a mag pouch off my belt. That would be I amazing. Have, I have seen someone do that before, and uh, it, was, it was hilarious. They went to reload, and uh, the mag pouch was still attached to the, the magazine. I feel, awesome. like that was, I feel like that was probably Lane. Uh, no, it was Alex a uh, number of years ago. I won't name the manufacturer of the mag pouches, but it is a popular manufacturer. Well, like a second tier popular manufacturer. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, I basically get a new belt uh, once a year. Um, even though like, I'll do half the year with single stack and half a year with limited. Basically, I'm at a point now where it's I'm end up having to replace one of those once a year. But I did figure out uh, this last year that oftentimes what's getting worn out is the inner belt and the Velcro on the outer belt is still adequate. Uh, and so then if you just replace the inner belt, then your Velcro, then you might can get another, I don't know, six months or even longer. I mean, I buy right now I'm probably not even buying a new belt to start this year. So I'm going to keep what I got. I usually have to replace the, uh, like on my single stack rig, my first couple of mag pouches those have to get replaced, but then the the ones behind them are usually all fine for for quite a while. Hmm. Good stuff. So Sasquatch, you are uh, you're messing with sights on your gun, and you've always shot a fiber. And we were gonna, I was gonna put like make some custom fiber sights for your guns, but you were sighting them in with just being all black, and yeah. you liked it. So here, here's where this started. Uh, I switched to the Henning fixed rear sight on my Shadow Twos, well, my new Shadow Twos, and his recommended starting height or his recommended height sight for the front sights a 170. So, to before I would have you make sights, I just ordered a Dawson 170 to make sure point of aim equals point of impact, and for me, it shot a little bit low. So I had Caleb uh, cut me down a sight back in gunsmithing to be about what I estimated their correction to be. And it was just a black site because it was just whatever was back there and available. And when I took it when I took it to the range and shot it, I'm like, I kind of like this. 
So I ordered two more Dawson front sights that are just black in that height. And I'm currently testing them out. And so I'm shooting just completely black sights. And? Uh, so, so far, I like it. I uh, haven't really shot the guns a lot, but I've been dry firing. And what what I've noticed for me is the reason I was going to have Jeremy make me sights is fiber's always been a little bit overpowered. Like it draws my attention back to the sight, which back when I just shot front sight focus, it worked great. But I've been shooting target focus for you know, the last two years. So sometimes it would cause me to get, you know, funky stuff going on or lining them up weird because I was looking at the wrong spot. Yeah. And I've noticed that it just seems easier to look through the sights with straight black sights. Obviously I need to shoot them more and test them more, but yeah, so far I like it. And I think it's kind of, it's probably something a little different. I don't know too many people that are just shooting black sights, at least not currently. I think I think last uh, limited nationals that Dave Savigny won. I'm pretty sure he was was doing black on black sites. I remember reading an article in uh, in Front Sight, ironically enough, uh, where he was talking about how he uses black on black sites, and I think he still does. I I don't know. I guess he doesn't really shoot anymore, so he doesn't really count. But and obviously, that is exactly why he won that match. It was purely well, yeah. purely the sights. He'd be a real scrub with fiber. Yeah, so. he probably wouldn't. No one would even know his name if he shot fiber. So what I hear you saying is you're you're going to be Dave Savigny this year. And just win every match that you shoot. Oh yeah, without a doubt. The sights, the sights paired with the proper recoil spring. There's no way I don't win every single match. Yeah. What what recoil spring are you using with those sights? By the way, uh, using an eleven pound. Now, is that change? Is that no, more or less than than when you're using fiber optic sights? Because I hear you want to you want a lighter recoil spring because you have more weight on the front sight now. Well, I can't I can't <laughs> switch because I still have a pile of these eleven pounders to use. So mm. want to start start clipping coils there, buddy. <laughs> I loved watching Cody's face. He's like thinking so hard to come up with a reason why why you would need a different spring weight. Uh, no, but I I thought it was kind of an interesting thing to try. And I you know in a, in a month I may be like, yeah, this is dumb. Hey, Jeremy, here's two front sights. Put fibers in them for me. Yeah, I just- used to shoot all black. Uh, probably I don't know the first four or five years that I shot the sport. Um, it was all black and from an accuracy precision standpoint, I think the all black is better. Uh, you, you tend to be more accurate with it, but it's, I think it's also a little bit, it ends up kind of being a little bit slower, uh, just cause it's, it's harder to pick up. It's harder to see. Um, and so the fiber, you just kind of see it a lot more and given how USPSA is set up, you kind of tend to push more towards the speed side than the accuracy side. Especially shooting if you're shooting, I usually shoot major. So, um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of legit. And the other reason why I switched to a fiber was frostproof Florida for the honestly, um, because if I can use the way my fiber is set up, I can use that at least see a sight in almost any light. Like, whereas you go to frostproof and you're shooting early in the morning or late in the evening, the wrong direction. And you have an all black, you can't see it. Like you're like you're completely toast. And so I needed a solution that would give me s- at least an option. And so that that was on, honestly a big reason. It's kind of weird that I would set up my gun based on one range, but when Nationals is there every year, well, yeah. kind of had to. What what I think will be really telling for me is once I get 
like shooting and training and shooting some matches is how I like it in different lighting conditions and conditions. You know, my, my dry fire room always has the exact same lighting conditions. <coughs> my, yeah. my indoor range always has the exact same lighting conditions. Just because I like it there does not mean that uh, it'll be great whenever I get to an outdoor range where there's some overcast or shade or yeah. bright sun. So have you shot uh, a match or two with these sites? No, dude, it's like eight degrees here. We haven't had a match. The match is already canceled for this weekend. I was going to. Yeah, but you've shot a couple matches. Not with these. I was using the uh, front sight that was too tall. I shot like two inches low. Okay. So my experience with not all black sites, but it, I felt like it was a similar situation is shooting three dot white three dot sites just because they all look the same, right? Uh, I feel like that would be similar. No. Just, not in the fact that, because uh, yeah, it's going to draw your, your sight towards it. And I know that's why you, you like the black because you can look through them. Uh, but the fact that you basically have three parts of the site or two parts of the site that all look the same, that was what made those so hard to shoot fast. Because uh, you would just get three dots bouncing around. It was like a magic trick trying to figure out which one was in the middle. Uh, so I, I will be curious if when you start shooting and shooting fast, if, if that becomes an issue. So we'll see. Well, we'll, we will find out Yeah. in March yeah. when me and you go head to head. March. Yeah. Right. On the same squad. Exactly. Unless it's like 20 degrees then I won't show up. Yeah. If it, we, we've already talked about this. We've agreed that if it's below 30 degrees, neither one of us are showing up. Now, the cool thing about those, uh, the black sites is like, if that is an issue, you could just like paint the front site, right? And then if that's not enough, you could like put the fiber in it. Yeah. If, if so, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not going to be as frugal. I'm not, I'm not going to be as frugal as Jeff. If the front sites don't work, <laughs> I'm going to put real fiber in them. No, you just go to Hobby Lobby and you get some fluorescent paint and you just, you just put a little on that front post. It's basically the same thing. I made the mistake over Thanksgiving of taking my mother and sister to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> I will never, never put myself back in that store. <laughs> they shopped for like two hours and bought nothing. I mean, even if they found some, even if they found something, all the stuff they have there is basically nothing. It's just, it's just junk. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Uh, the so uh, to piggyback off this topic, the only. I did some training. I did some more training with my uh, with my Glock duty gun over the winter. Well, I guess it's still winter, but uh, when I wasn't doing competition training, and uh, I have a black rear sight and a, a tritium front sight on my duty gun um, because you know that's what you're supposed to do, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, dry firing with that in the dark, and uh, doing some stuff like with practicing with the weapon light or with a flashlight or even just in low light. I mean effectively black rear sight with tritium front sight is, is essentially all black sites. Cause as I found tritium is, is worthless. It, it does nothing. Um, and so it's basically the same. And it, it was interesting because I found when I was doing, uh, stuff with the weapon light. So in, in a dark room, weapon light on pointing at a target, you get a hard outline of, uh, black sites. And if you, if you're target focused, you get a hard outline of, of all black sites on the target and that was really, it was like a really easy way to aim. It was a really good way to aim. Um, 
So I liked it. I I think it's going to be a lot different. Yeah, like Jeremy was saying, with the sun shining in your eyes uh, or in other lighting conditions. But I don't hate the idea, especially especially if you do it for a while and uh, maybe you decide you don't like it when you go back to the fiber optic. I'll be interested to hear uh, if you do go back to the fiber optic. You know, kind of what you find different about it, or if it if it teaches you something. Well, I, I think the important point there is what what I'm finding is, is that for how I shoot the sights is it makes it easier to look through the sights instead of drawing attention to the front sight. Because back when I shot limited, I shot front sight focus. So back then, I mean, the fiber was the greatest thing in the world, and I would have never considered anything different. Mm-hmm. I think it's just something that has progressed over. And really, it comes from when I shooting the red dot is what got me shooting target focus. And I just kind of stuck with it with the irons. Yeah. Yeah. I find that (laughs) interesting because to me, the all black makes more sense on a hard front sight focus and the fiber makes more sense on a target focus. Cause, because if you go target focus and you have a fiber, then that dot is easier to see almost in your, it's not your peripheral, but it's easier to, you can look yeah. at the target and that dot's going to stand out. Whereas if you go, if you're looking at the target and it's just a black sight, then it's going to, I don't, it seems like that would be harder to see, which I mean, I don't really use target focus all that much. Like it, my vision, it just hasn't worked for me. Um, maybe that's why I'm slow. I don't know. But the, I mean, that's interesting that she, I just, I mean, I just think it's interesting that you feel that the all black is going to be easier with a target focus. I was so crazy that, when I was using all black, I went in and machined my the front face of my front sights. Normally, they're at like 50 LPI or something. That's a really fine uh, LPI. I went and checked and uh, serrated them at like a 20 LPI. So, because I wanted to, because then I could, I would know if I was front sight focused if I could see the serrations. Like, I wanted a big enough serration. Well, no wonder it was slow for you. <laughs> yeah, that's some, that's some boomer stuff there. <laughs> Talking about seeing the serrations on your sight. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> were you were you also shooting a 45? Yes, I was. Two world were wars. You, were you pinning and resetting the, the trigger? No, I never did that. I never did the pin and reset. Uh I definitely uh, did definitely did one, a hard front sight focus. One thing I think if I think if we if we shot only white targets, so like if the white targets were the shoot targets and you know anything else was no was no shoot. I think uh, the black on black sites would be the way to go, because just from just from messing around with it a little bit, like it's so easy to see. Like my, you guys see on the video, this is my dry fire space right now, and uh, it's in my basement, and there's very little light, so I'm effectively not seeing my my fiber optic very well in my peripheral vision when I'm dry firing anyway. And if I, I find if I point my gun at a you know a simulated steel target or even like at a no shoot target. It is so easy to see the outline of the sights in your peripheral vision on a white target. Um, yeah, I can see that. So maybe you'll shoot a bunch of no shoots this year. I don't know. Be cool, <laughs> right? Hey, what do you think about painting the rear sight? I don't think you could think of a dumber idea, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> no, white. Yeah. What if you painted the rear white, like white, and then a black front sight? Didn't somebody just say at the last episode what you've just said is the most idiot- insanely idiotic thing <laughs> we've ever heard? We're all dumber for <laughs> I wish, having heard it. I, wish, I really wish everybody could see the faces that I'm seeing when, when I present a question like that. 
This is how we know that he was educated in Oklahoma. Like that's <laughs> that's how that's how we know that. Like we don't have to ask that. You just know that when he asks Hold questions up. like that. Uh, I'm to the point where I'm not sure he was educated at all. Oh, well, I mean really? that's true, but I mean that's that's anybody that grew up in Oklahoma. Like that's just <laughs> what it is. Well, I don't I don't want to like shit on all of Oklahoma. I mean, there's probably some good people there. Yeah, Tire King's from there, so like that's one good guy at least. He was highly educated. Yeah. Clearly. So you don't like the idea of painting the rear sight? You know what, Jeff? I support you doing that, especially when we're shooting against each other. I'm not like, going to do it. I like shoot just, fiber. Just do like and fiber. Just do like the Glock outline with your uh, like whiteout. Oh, now we're talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you'll win so many matches if you do that. You know what? Just don't use any sights. Let the force guide you. So like that for me, uh, I know you're making a joke, but like for me, that that would be my concern if I went to all black sites uh, is I would probably I, I already kind of let the force guide me anyway. Um, <laughs> so if if I went all black, uh, I would just not see anything and I would just I would shoot at the same speed just without right. seeing anything. And I would just just, you know, just just send it and see what happens. And I don't think it would work out very well. I don't know. I think about it. like how often when you make up a shot. Is it made up because you saw something that was bad or you just like, you can just tell like both off of feel and what you could see through your peripheral vision of the sights that that shot was not any good. Like I know probably half the time if I make up a shot, it's like that just did not feel right. Like something was wrong there. I don't know. I got to think about it. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes it's just arbitrary. Sometimes I just fire an extra shot just because I felt, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel, I guess it is. It's by feel, but sometimes I'm, I'm just doing it just because I don't, because it felt good in that moment. I feel like I should fire another shot at this target. And uh, I suppose that's me uh, feeling something in my hands that makes me feel like I need to do that. Um, but it also sometimes is just arbitrary. I'm doing it just, just to do it. Yeah. You, you walk down there and you find three alphas. It certainly has <laughs> happened before. Yeah. Okay. I saw, I know we're going like quite a ways down the sites uh, topic, but I have another question about your black sites. So, are you going to run like a skinny front black sight or a fatty? Oh no, it's it's a one twenty five wide man. It's tactical. No, that was a dumb serious question. question. Serious question, Jared. <laughs> it's it's a ninety wide. Ninety okay. It's a ninety wide with a one fifteen wide rear. That's why I went to Henning's fixed rear sight was to get a tighter rear sight and a smaller front. That is a okay. ninety is a small front sight. Yeah. Yeah. So my buddy Poji, uh, revolver guy. Now the revolver has a little bit longer sight radius. He actually uses a wider front. His front sight is wider than his rear notch. Ooh! So he's got like a like a one twenty five front and like a one fifteen rear notch. So there's there's virtually no light, uh, and he likes it because I mean obviously revolver is a much slower game, much more uh, accuracy based. But he still he uses that setup uh, even in his steel challenge uh, irons, and because he's like if he sees that front sight in the middle of it, then he's like I'm good, like it's it's there. Whereas if you got a real if you got a ninety front and say you have a traditional one twenty five rear, that front sight could be if it's it could be way it could be in the notch and be way off target, right? Like there's you're almost swimming in it, and it's kind of it's tough to be real precise with it. Um, 
it just seems like the the smaller or the narrower front sight makes like distant steel and stuff way easier to shoot. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I from my, from my standpoint, I I agree. I'm not. I'm down to a hundred. I don't go to the ninety anymore. I used yeah. to. But I don't. I th- I think the factory front sight on a Shadow Two is like a one twenty wide or something, one fifteen or one twenty, and like a forty five yard popper. That thing like covers up the entire like scoring zone. Where yeah. a ninety wide on like a forty yard popper only covers. I mean, it feels like it covers half of it, but basically the point is you still have wide of the popper on each side. So it makes it to me. It feels way easier to hit like a hard shot like that. Yeah have Have you guys ever tested your your like sight notch at distance, like twenty yards? Like put the put the front sight to the right side of the notch and see yeah. where it lands, and then to the left side at, and see at, where it lands. At twenty yards, it'll still be on paper. If the if the sight's in the notches, it'll be on paper. I mean, I think for most gun setups, if 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 you're aiming at the center and you and then you intentionally miss a line like what Jeff's talking about like to the extreme of one end if your front side is still inside the notch even at 20 yards you're probably still going to shoot A's for most guns at least that's been been my experience uh usually the variance isn't that much uh and you would be you would be surprised how little how little like that little bit of variation really matters which is why when yeah. you're talking about uh uh Poggi's sights like the main reason I would see that as a benefit is if you really have issues with sending it because because your front sight's not in the center of the notch. Like I don't care. Like if 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 I can see my front sight through my rear notch, you're gonna then, range. Yeah. Then it's then it's good. Like I don't care. Uh unless it's like a really long, difficult shot. But even then, like <laughs> even then, it's like again, if I just see my rear my front sight in my rear notch um anywhere, and I I run, I guess I don't know what I would consider a normal sight setup. I don't I don't really mess with it. It's just whatever whatever uh atlas gunworks puts on there which is like just i think normal i think it's a one i think it's a one a point or a point one front sight and then you know a little bit wider than that rear sight and it's good for me and like if if i can see my front sight i'm good so i i think uh, i think most people will be surprised how as long as you're in the notch you're probably going to hit what you're aiming at yeah yeah for most Man. of the most of our shooting requirements that's going to be fine and if the target's Harder than that, you're probably slowing down enough that it's going to naturally center up anyway. Um, at least that's my take. I haven't messed with uh, like a, a a super narrow uh, rear sight. I think I've gone down to a hundred before on a rear on a rear sight notch, but I've not I've not messed with having one that is narrower than the front sight. Um, so that's kind of inter- that'd be kind of interesting to to mess with i'm kind of more of a, like i build a gun and i like put the sights on it and then i don't mess with them again like it's just that's what's on there so i just shoot that that's kind of my take so i've got a lot of guns that have a 125 rear i've got a bunch that have a 115 rear i just shoot it i don't pay that i don't get real picky about it yeah i mean i shot i shot cz's for a couple years and uh the I used whatever the stock sights were on the, uh, that CZ custom put on the Accu shadow. And then I got an SP one shadow and I put the same sights on there, uh, which are pretty wide. I think it's like what Jared was talking about. They're like a one, two or something like that for, uh, for the front sight. And I never realized how much I didn't like it until I got a 2011 with a narrower front sight. I'm like, Oh, this is better. I wish I would have done this the whole time. Uh, yeah. But, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm like, Jared, I, I don't just, just give me just give me sights and I'll I'll figure out how to line them up. Like I I don't really care about playing with them. It's fine. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Y'all got another topic? Yeah, I got a question. Okay. I'm curious how you guys, uh, how do you pull the trigger or smash the trigger or like, like, are you preppers? Are you slappers? You go like all the way off of it. Do you think like, do you put your finger all the way in the trigger? Do you just use like the pad or the tip of your finger? What, how do you guys go about it? I'm curious. I Hulk smash that bitch. Of course you Hulk smash everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can't imagine something that Sasquatch has not Hulk smashed. My dog. Jesus, man. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually. I would hope so. I can't believe that dog is still actually now that you mention it. Like I'm surprised it doesn't die. Like just when you pick it up, unlike pet it, it's like. Gets a concussion every time it gets petted. Yeah, Jared. Jared treats his triggers like he treats his women. No, I. Uh, <laughs> I do the same thing. I, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as Hulk smashing, uh, <clears throat> but uh, you know, I shoot a twenty eleven with like a sub two pound trigger. So you know, who really cares? You just like you decide. For me, I put the sights on the target, and I decide to shoot, and then the gun goes off. Like like there's there's almost no thought really, no conscious thought put into what I'm doing with my my trigger finger at all, whether it be in practice or in matches. Like I don't. I do not think about what my trigger figure is doing. Like obviously I've trained myself and I, and I have done it a lot in training to push the trigger straight back. Um, cause I generally hit what I'm, what I'm, what the gun's pointed at. As long as the gun is aimed right. Uh, I very rarely attribute issues with hitting things with, uh, like a marksmanship error, like jerking the trigger or anything like that. For me, it's like, if, if I don't hit something or I hit a no shoot, it's usually, I don't know let the gun settle for long enough. Uh, if I miss a piece of steel, it's because I didn't let the sight settle for long enough. It's it's usually something along those lines. Uh, I like so I put very very little thought into trigger control. It's like just I decide I, I decide to to shoot the target. I pull the trigger, the gun goes off, and and you know we're all mm-hmm. good. I mean I think a lot of that again is shooting a sub two pound trigger on a competition gun. Uh, when I shoot my Glock, for example, like I obviously have to be a little more careful with my trigger pull. But even then, I, I think I, I just jammed straight through with that. I, I'm not a uh, not a prep and press guy. Like I just like front to back. I'm I'm pushing the trigger all, all the way through every time. Um, and if I need to go slower for a harder shot, then maybe I'll pull the trigger a little bit slower. But that's kind of something that just happens naturally, if, depending on what kind of shot I'm trying to make. Right. Interesting. Jared, was was Hulk Smash your real answer, or do you want to dive into this more? No, I mean, basically on the same lines as Cody, like as far as like where my finger ends up on the trigger is I grip the gun, I put my finger in the trigger guard and that's where it's going to end up. I don't think of it beyond that. It ends up where it fits. And then otherwise, like I just pull the trigger straight back. I mean, like I don't, I don't prep it or anything. It's just like once I start pulling, like that's the speed it's going to go until it it goes off and then I'm going to release it and do it again. I would imagine that fitting your finger in the trigger guard is probably the bigger concern mm. for you typically. Why do you think they made the Shadow 2 trigger guard so big? <laughs> right. It was speci- the entire line of pistols was specifically for Jared. <laughs> I, conv- I convinced one of our assembly guys at work. So I had carpal tunnel surgery at the beginning of 2019. And he's, he came up and was talking to me. He's like, I heard you were having hand surgery. I was like, yeah, I'm getting my uh, hand size reduced to fit the shadow too. And he's <laughs> falling along. 
<laughs> it was like it was like follow along and believe it. I'm like, yeah, they're gonna take some meat off since they better fit the gun. Since I'm switching to these from 2011, like having that's plastic surgery on your hand <laughs> to, to fit the gun. That's a, that's a company man right there. Dedication. You probably you probably could get the the same doctor who uh, removed the gorilla glue from that lady's hair. Probably could do your yeah. hand reduction surgery for you. Probably for free. I'm gonna yeah. start using gorilla glue instead of Pro Grip. It's way cheaper than get it at the local hardware store. Not a bad Absolutely. idea, and, it, and it's permanent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you save you save a lot of money. Exactly. You could you could do that, right? You just you just have to keep your hand on the gun the whole time, <laughs> the whole match. Unload your choke would be really difficult. <laughs> you could do it. <laughs> what about you, Jeremy? Do you prep the trigger? Uh, <coughs> he probably dry fires with a penny on his front sight. I'm just trying not to <laughs> die over here. Um, I think Jeremy legitimately is dying of COVID right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not COVID, but you never know. Um, so I have pretty much experimented with like every possible manipulation of the trigger. Um, Cause I'm, I'm not like the, like I'm not like Cody where it's just like, I just put it on there and I just, the gun just goes off type thing. Like, for me, the trick, how the trigger gets manipulated affects a lot of, of the gun for me. Uh, even like it even affects like how the gun recoils. Like I can, I can notice if, like if I pull the trigger straight back versus if I push it to the side and stuff, uh, that the gun, the, the front sight will go straight up and down or no, it'll go off. It'll go up and to the right and that sort of stuff. Um, and so when I started the sport, everything was, you prep the trigger. Uh, you try to use as, as, little trigger finger movement as you could. Um, And then on any hard shots, you prep the trigger. Uh, And then I kind of went away from that. I wanted, (coughs) I wanted to shoot more like what Cody has said, where you just, you just put it. And I got to where, man, I was slapping. Like my finger would come off. Like it would like basically like touch the front of the trigger guard. Like it was coming so far off the trigger. Uh, And so, and I was having lots of trigger freeze issues and, and I couldn't slow it down on tough shots under pressure was my problem. I couldn't like, I was rushing those tough shots under pressure cause I was slapping it on the, on everything else. And I couldn't not slap it on those. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to, I felt like I shot better when I was prepping the trigger. Um, and so I went back to trying to prep the trigger and, and in saying that it's, it's not a legit prep so much at, because you don't have time to prep on most of the shots, but the the action is the same. It's just on the hard shots, you end up with more time to prep. If that make, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Um, last season, I was I was more towards the trying to prep the trigger and try to think about make sure I'm pressing it straight back uh, and that sort of thing. Um, but. So that's where I'm at right now. I haven't shot since nationals, so I don't know what I'll, I don't know what I'll do this season. I'll, I'll probably continue with that because um, I do. Sh- I think I shoot a little bit better with that. Um, but I, I, so I think the other thing that comes into how you in the the trigger press is uh, tension in your right hand, and I hadn't really considered that. Like early in my career, I never really even thought about that. Um, I was more like I was I'm still a skinny guy but 10 years ago I was even skinnier uh and weaker and like 
trying to shoot a single stack 45 gun that weighed like, I don't know, 38 ounces. It wasn't a heavy gun. How uh, could you be skinnier and weaker? That's what I was trying to imagine. Is how, how can you be skinnier? You like, I mean, you like negative. It was, it was, it was rough. I mean, just, it just, well, it was, I don't know. Uh, just, just less awesome. That's all you, I can say. You probably looked like Jeff. Yeah. I, was, I looked a lot like Jeff does. <laughs> well, like Jeff did before he got fat on his little. I, I could see you looking like you were from Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think your grip pressure does end up influencing um, how you can, how you're able to manipulate the trigger. Uh, and if you're gripping really hard with your right hand or, or not gripping hard. Um, but have you guys seen that? There's, there's some people upset on Instagram, I guess, about grip versus trigger control as like a, as two competing things for accuracy. I think it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a Timmy argument that people are having. I see, yeah. I've seen, I've seen people responding to it, but I never actually saw the original thing that set people off about it. Yeah. Same. I saw, I think I saw Shane put something on his story yeah, about Shane it. Shane put something about Yeah. And, uh, the, um, it's, it's Whatever. pretty. It's a. Pretty I didn't know sim- what it was about. I had no idea what it was about, so I just kept scrolling. It, it's a pretty simple thought. The better you grip the gun, the less likely you are to screw up the trigger press. Yeah. The more you can get away with. If you grip the gun really well, you're not going to move the gun around very easily. Yeah, and I mean, like for me, uh, that's. I mean, I, I think that's what I'm doing. Is I'm grip, gripping the gun with enough pressure that. Uh, Again, it, to apply two pounds of pressure to the trigger, I have to do something pretty wrong with the rest of my hands to to move the gun off target. And so, yeah, for sure, like on harder shots, I'm I'm pressing the trigger slowly. So there is probably like a natural point where you're 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 prepped against the wall, but I'm just kind of like smoothly pressing straight through that on harder shots. So I mean, if you watch it on a slow motion video, you maybe could look at it and say, oh, he's prepping and pressing. But mentally, like, I'm not doing that. So I'm like, okay, I'm prepping now. I'm pressing. It's just. I'm going to pull the trigger and I'm going to do it at whatever speed the target is telling me to do it. Um, so on harder shots, I'm prepping or I'm pressing the trigger sl- slower. Uh, but either way, I think, uh, I think the grip like will mask that issue or will mask any kind of trigger control issues um, for, for the majority of the shots that we make in USPSA. So, you know, I just, I just grip hard and, and press right through all my shots and, and it works out just fine for me. Jeff, what do you do? Okay, so this probably changed for me last year. So early last year, I had a conversation with Jason, and we were talking about like when you screw up shots, is is it because of your trigger pull or is it because you misalign the sights? And when we had that conversation, I basically said, like my trigger my trigger pull is perfect, pretty much. Like I I don't think any of my missed shots are because of trigger pull. I always assume it's because of uh, misaligned sides or not patient enough with the sides. Uh, I never attributed bad shots to trigger pull. So then, uh, later on in the year, I talked to Jeremy after a match. I think this might have been like the first conversation we had actually. And we were, it was like, uh, I think it was Oklahoma match. And you were talking about a, a target that you had missed. And you said, man, I pulled up the sides were good and it was just a bad trigger press. Anyway, so that that kind of like planted a seed in my mind. And so then later on that year, we did the challenge. We had the podcast and we did the challenge where we did the 40 yards on the paper, two A's in under two seconds. And when we did that challenge, 
it kind of revealed to me that my trigger press wasn't perfect. And so it wasn't till then that I was like, man, I'm probably missing shots because my trigger press isn't perfect. Not all the time, but I probably do make bad shots because of my trigger press. So after we did that challenge, I started thinking about my trigger press a lot more. Uh, that's when I started experimenting with like my finger deeper into the into the trigger and uh, doing a bit more like prepping or doing the the quick reset thing. You hear JJ talking about, you know, where you're resetting during recoil and like reset and pin basically uh, in mid recoil. Just experimenting with that stuff, and then also you hear uh, Grafell talk about it. He does the drill where he's like. He pins the trigger and he racks the gun and then tries to reset the trigger right to the wall while he's racking it, basically. Uh, so I started experimenting with that stuff. <clears throat> and then another drill that kind of revealed to me that my trigger press isn't perfect was the uh, the six dots, the six dot drill, where you got to put, uh, what is it, five shots, six shots in under five seconds inside the dot. And so that drill kind of showed me what Jeremy was saying, that the trigger press affects recoil. And that was kind of a a novel moment for me. Uh, Like, depending on how the trigger was pulled, the gun would recoil differently. It's like very subtle, subtle differences, but but noticeable. Uh, And I was trying to work on making the gun recoil the same every time, right? Because if it's if recoil is predictable then it should be easy to place the shot in the exact same spot. Yeah. Uh, so, but if you're pulling a trigger different every time, then the recoil is not going to be the same every time. So all that to say, I'm still trying to get my trigger press perfect because I know that it's not, but it is something I think about. It's not, uh, it's not like I just go out and I'm just going to pull the trigger. Like I probably do in matches because of the freaking the pressure and everything that's going through your mind, right? You're just going to go out and shoot. But in practice, it is something that I think about. It is something I try to work on because I want the gun to recoil in the exact same pattern every time. Yeah, it seems like there are are some people, like my buddy Bob Crow, he hasn't competed much uh, in the last couple of years, but phenomenal, phenomenal shooter. Uh, I mean, I've talked to him about it, and... He's he's kind of like a he's kind of like Sasquatch. He's like six seven and has huge hands and like he shoots a forty cal like single stack gun and it looks like he's shooting a twenty like the the slide just like he just like comes straight back. Uh, people aren't gonna see my hand motions, but they heard my they heard my so they'll get what I'm saying. I, I know. told me everything I needed to know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I asked him this question about trigger control. And he's like, I don't know. He he's like I've literally never worked on trigger control. I've never, I've never messed with it. I've always just like I've just pulled the trigger and the the guns. It's just gone where I'm aiming. Exactly. <coughs> Will you just die already? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm working on it. I told these guys I was gonna be half dead in this, but uh, he. Uh, I mean, but like, if you can get to that point, like that's always been where I strive to get to, so I don't have to, like, I don't think about it. It just, like, it just is what it is. Uh, And I just haven't been able to get there. If if you're one of those persons, I mean, sounds like Cody's kind of like that. Uh, Maybe Sasquatch is like that. Like, if you're one of those persons, man, shooting gets way easier because then it's just, just aim the gun. 
Like then, I mean, at that point, that's all you got to do is is aim the gun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's something that I've uh, I have worked on. It's not like I I'm not I'm not a trigger control savant or anything. Uh, like I've done the trigger control at speed drills uh, and dry fire. I've I've done that uh, that dots drill that uh, Jeff was referring to. I've done that drill a ton in my life, and I shot thousands yeah. of rounds on that drill. Um, and so it's something that I work on. But even like even that the dots drill, uh, I find that typically if I'm missing, it's, and maybe it's just the way that I conceptualize it because to me, like jerking my hands before the gun goes off to me, that's not trigger control. That's like a flinch Anticipation, or, yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, just, just kind of in general, the, the way like the ebb and flow of that drill it, to me, it's like if the sights are on and like the, the trigger control just, just is not even something that I consider. And it probably is something that I'm, that I'm doing is I'm working on making my trigger control better. Um, but to me, it's, it's always like the other thing. It's, it's keeping my hands still and keeping the, the, the sights aligned. Like that's what I'm thinking about. But the reality is like, and Bob, I'm sure is the same way. It's not that he's, it's not like he, obviously he has great trigger control and he, he probably doesn't ever think about it, but he's doing something to develop good trigger control without even necessarily thinking about it in those terms, which uh, is, you know, sound. It sounds like the way he thinks about it is probably pretty similar to the way that that what like Jared and I are saying. Yeah, probably so. Um, yeah, I feel right. like you can almost you can almost guide recoil with your trigger press, like say, just say that trigger press affects recoil. It's it's almost like. I can say I want the gun to recoil this way, so I'll pull the trigger this way. Uh, is kind of the the experience that I've that I've had with it when I like really pay attention to it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. It's I mean it it does. I mean I think that is something for people like if you're gonna go shoot the dot drill, um, pay attention. Some like you can, dot drill is real easy just to get into. Are all the bullets in in the dot? uh are they all are they all where i wanted to be um but it <coughs> it can- <coughs> <laughs> he was really going somewhere that was really good i was i, was, I, was I know invested. i was i had it i had it going good uh but if you if you pay attention to to where it's going i actually a lot of times when i end up shooting the dot drill i don't necessarily always care that they're all in the dot it's do i are the sites predictable and if they, and, and what's making them predictable or not predictable. Um, and you can, you can do that. Like, and, and see the dot is very telling in whether the sites moving straight up and down, whether it's going off to the side and then coming back or, or not returning all the way. And you can kind of change how you pull the trigger, how you think you're pulling the trigger to see what that does to it. And I, there's a lot to be, I think there's a lot that can be learned from that if trigger control is something that you struggle with. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think it's interesting. I sp- yeah. I've spent a lot of time trying to get good trigger control. Like, I feel like, honestly, I think trigger control is probably, I would put it as one of like the most important fundamental um, in shooting. Like it, it affects everything, but that's, and that's maybe that's just my, my shooting, but I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with that. Now I, I got, well, I got lost. Well, COVID brain. So, so you you had problems with trigger control though early on, right? I don't necessarily know that if I would call it pro- if I had problems. Um, you, you thought it was a problem; it was something you were working on, right? I mean, it's just it's something I've always worked on. 
I kind of wonder if the different like thoughts on it are if you've ever had problems with it because that I that I can think of I don't know that I've ever worked on trigger control in live fire. I know yeah. I certainly have in dry fire, but I don't think I ever have in live fire. And it's because I it's never really been a problem for me. So I kind of wondered if maybe the different thought was if you if like me and Cody if it's just kind of something that wasn't a problem so it's never something we like really focused in and thought about it's like yeah this works i keep doing this yeah it, it very well could be um i mean and sasquatch i mean you honestly like you have a big advantage because you are a sasquatch like the gun doesn't move so it, it, you can smash that trigger as hard as you want to and the gun's probably not going to go anywhere and so yeah so trigger control's not going to be an issue for you when you got skinny little jeremy uh trying to handle a 40 cal that's different right like i just don't have the i don't have the strength uh to to control that like jeremy that. what i hear you saying is that him having large hands is a natural talent for the sport <laughs> that is what i'm saying yes. oh bull- bullshit have you exactly. seen me try to have you seen me try to reload those little bitty shadow two mags I get, <laughs> my finger is wider than those mags <laughs> shoot open <laughs> good idea have you seen those people that make the like the tiny little replicas of guns that actually shoot. They like put the little tiny bullets in them. Yeah. That's what I imagine Jared at home trying to dry fire. He's like putting the tiny little bullets in the tiny little <laughs> magazine <laughs> in the tiny little gun. It's <laughs> exactly what it looks like. <laughs> I'm sure. Back. <clears throat> oh, another thing on trigger press. I am having to like redo everything on trigger press this year because I'm switching guns too. So with the 1911, I, I was getting to where I was putting the, the finger pretty far into the trigger guard and doing it that way by the end of the time that I was shooting 1911. And with this gun, it's it's different. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. It doesn't feel good to do that. So it's like much more towards the tip of my finger. So I think it can also be very gun dependent. Yeah. Uh, just depending on how the gun fits your hands, whether you pull the trigger differently. So I wouldn't get hung up uh, for anybody out there, don't get hung up on your one trigger pull method for all platforms because it might not, might not translate. <sighs> for sure. Let Jeremy die a little bit. He'll yeah. Come back. I just keep waiting for him to fall off his like chair. Dude, it's, He's about it's, to. It's it's so close. <laughs> it's so close to happening. <laughs> like phlegm. Like it's just like I'm about to suffocate on on like I'm trying to hold it in. All right. So all I'm right. waiting. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, I know we're go I know we're going long on time here, but before but, but, no, but before you sign off, I'm waiting for somebody. To, I'm waiting for somebody to ask me the question. I, I even brought it up. Oh, okay. I'll ask you. No, don't ask him. <laughs> That's why none of us. Cody, tell, Cody, Cody. Is natural talent a thing? Got it. In, in shooting, I thought you would never ask. Okay, uh, so you're all wrong about everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, so. As a listener of the podcast and a friend of Jared's, um, at least I consider Jared a friend. I don't. I don't know. Wait, that. wait. You don't. You don't think the same of Jeremy and Jeff? No. I l- allow me to finish. Uh, Absolutely not. Every time I every time I hear Jared Jared's response to this, I want to put my head through a wall because he is contradicting himself so much, and it drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, <laughs> because he on on the one hand he talks about well. Natural talent isn't a thing, but then we're talking about how physical ability isn't a natural talent. Like, how is in what world is a physical ability not a natural talent? It doesn't even make sense. 
Like just, just say that 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 Michael Jordan being six six has nothing to do with his ability to be good at basketball is is like out of this world in, insanity. And so t- to like just separate, oh, that's not talent. That's that's physical attributes. Like that's what talent is. Talent is physical attributes and like things that you can do. It's everything. So like speed, your height, your like your natural strength, your bone structure. Those are all like physical traits that all combine to be talent. So your physical your physical being is part of talent to do, be able to do something well. So if you're naturally quick, like some people are just faster than others naturally. So if you're naturally quick, you, you're naturally strong, you have big hands. Uh, these are all things that can contribute to being good at a sport and a sport like ours. And so you might not come out of the womb being great at shooting a gun, but you have certain physical characteristics that lend themselves to making you better at USPSA. So yes, natural talent is absolutely a thing. And Jared is wrong. <laughs> I love it. Okay, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good answer. That was a good answer. That was a good, it was a good. I, like. thought we, I thought we were friends, Cody. I thought we were friends too until you didn't invite me to your barbecue. And then, and then I found out that, <laughs> I knew that was, you were going it was a one-sided. <laughs> I, told, I told everybody this year that I'm only going to invite Cody to my barbecue. I'll have I candles lit. It'll be amazing. If, I, if you invited me over to your house for a barbecue, like for a match weekend, and I showed up and it was just you and I. I would cherish every moment of that. I would have a great time. Uh, I love it. I mean, like I, I'm glad that uh, I, I'm glad you brought the heat. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I've just I've I've heard this discussion in my car of you guys too many times, and I'm like screaming. I can just at imagine. Jared. I can, yes, I can imagine <laughs> like, it. Jared, you're, like, what are you talking about? I just want to shake him, but I he's too big. I can't shake him anyway. <laughs> Even he was okay. here. You probably do that right before you like pull someone over and give them a speeding ticket for like one over. Probably, yeah. I probably yeah. cost people speeding tickets. Yeah, you probably cost people a lot of money over over the years. Probably so. We we do have a question. One quick before I die. Uh, when is your wife's due date? Uh, it's March thirtieth. Oh, so we're gonna beat them. Okay. Our podcast wins. Our podcast wins. Yep. <laughs> I, to- I told Jeremy I didn't want to lose her baby. I wanted to make sure his was first. Well. I, I hope I hope that Jeremy's baby comes first. If my baby comes first, that's that would be a problem. So <laughs> that would be yeah. you'd be problematic. Your, baby's, yes. your baby is starting life out in second place. Um yes, Jared, I would love to come to your barbecue on <laughs> on the undisclosed date that you just texted me. I'm not gonna tell people because it's just gonna be you and I. I don't want other people to know about it. But yes. Well well it, it's it's the Friday before Free State. Is that when Free State is? Oh yeah, I can't I, come. I'm I'm pretty sure it is. I don't have my calendar. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I'm not coming to free state this year, but we'll see. <laughs> Are you having a boy or a girl? A girl. Awesome. Have you picked a name? So, so yeah, I have. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to tell all the degenerates listening to this podcast, but but <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but yes, we have picked out a name, and uh, and I can't wait. I'm really excited. So. Uh, you know, people who are super negative in the shooting world about having kids, like, oh, you're never gonna be able to do anything ever again. Uh, I don't like those people. You know, screw those, screw those people, man. Like Jeff, Jeff has what, like six kids? Yeah. No, he's got one kid and five raccoons. <laughs> yes, <I> told- <laughs> he has six mouths to feed in his house, and he's still exactly. doing, he, he's still doing great at USPSA, so it's fine. Jeremy was complaining the other day about how second kids going to be more like responsibility and like makes him have to do stuff. And I mm-hmm. asked him if he considered adoption <laughs> and, and he kind of replied back like that was not an okay comment. I mean, 
like other people adopting his kid or him adopting another kid? <laughs> no, him getting yes. rid of it, of course. <laughs> adopting more kids, yes. Uh, <laughs> so yes, I'm having a kid, and uh, Jeremy's will come first, hopefully. Uh, and yeah. and I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I mean, the last I don't know. There's been a whole bunch of national champions who have who have kids. I mean, you look at you look at people like uh, nobody like, remembers their names. You look at people like Blake Miguez, where he's like an elder statesman. I don't even know. Right. I don't even know what he does, but he uh, he's got like three kids and and is is busy, and he's still like contending for national champions championships. So, yeah, it's def- it's definitely it's definitely still doable, uh, especially with one. One didn't seem to be. I mean, it was it it does change like the well the first the first few months like it just changed because you're just exhausted all the time like because you just don't sleep. Well, you sleep, but you never sleep more than like an hour. And a, at least for that was my experience. Everybody has different experiences. My experience, like the first six months, like if I got two hours of sleep in a row without uninterrupted, that was good. Mm-hmm. So, are you are you saying you had to get up to wake your wife up to go take care of the kid? Yes. <laughs> no, like no. I mean, still, so I have a cool wife. So my wife was like, uh, like I mean, I got woken up, but I didn't get up. I mean, sometimes I did, but not real often, because my wife was like, obviously she was feeding the kid. Uh, and so she was like, there's really no reason for you to, for both of us to get up. Like, I will just get up and feed the kid. It's like, that makes sense to me. Uh, so <laughs> I think I recommended that a couple times. Yeah. I was like, why do I need to get up? <laughs> it didn't work for you. <laughs> no, I don't think it worked for me quite as well as it did for you. Yeah. I will I've, say this about having a kid. It's awesome. We're talking about this. Um, the one thing for me about having a kid that it did for me is it severed my relationship with sleep. So before I had a kid, I was like, I was an asshole about getting sleep. It was like, if you tried to to get me to do something that was going to cause me to not get eight hours of sleep, I was, I was seriously unpleasant to be around. Uh, and then after having a kid or after our stint at the hospital where we were up for like, 70 hours or something um after that and i realized i was like dude i can go like two or three days without sleeping at all i was like i don't need sleep so now it's like if i get two or three hours one night it's like it's cool i'll just sleep tomorrow night so what you're saying is is that before if you didn't get eight hours of sleep those occasions you're an asshole now you just stay an asshole the whole time I don't know. I, I think I think I'm a pretty pleasant person most of the he's time. He's like he's like the Hulk. That's his secret. He's always an asshole. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know that's yeah, that, that's much. one thing that that's one thing that night shift has been really good for is it severed my relationship of like t- time and sleep. Yeah. So, you know you you sleep when you, you sleep when you have time to sleep. You don't. There's not like certain hours in the day when you have to sleep. Yeah. And so I think that will be useful when it comes to baby time, but. Absolutely. Yeah. Joel, Joel turned off this po- podcast like 10 minutes ago, so we probably should end this at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we don't care about Joel. I mean, yeah, I, I agree now with that, you there. Now that, he knew, now that we know he turned it off, we can like shit talk him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, Cody. Thank you guys for having me. That was a good one. Sasquatch, you're an idiot. Uh, talent is real. And Cody, Cody defined that for us, so we appreciate I that. Hope- I hope the COVID gets you in your sleep tonight. I'm not, even, I'm not even sending flowers to your funeral. Wow.
I hope you don't. Ooh. I freaking Ooh. I don't like flowers. I, they're just dead things. We send dead things to dead people. Wait, wait, wait. Weird. You like flowers? You don't like flowers? No. Never mind. I'm sending flowers. <laughs> can I? Can I say? Uh, can I say Jared's uh, sign-off line for this? Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Stop recording, damn it. Was that good? <laughs> that, was that was perfect. All right. Let's pinch it off.